Blog Talk Radio. to do uh, 
I've got a great platform to help a lot of people. But we got a right to ship in a lot of ways. College tennis could be, should be, shoulda, coulda, woulda. It still is. It's a sleeping giant. If we would just sort of right the ship and get some things right, we don't sure don't need to make our juniors keep jumping through so many hoops over and over and over and over again until we grind them down and they're not in love with tennis anymore. We need to give them the right bait out there. We don't need to grind them down with these point system tournaments. We need to look. Kids play for the incentives are for rivalries and tournaments of heritage. It's that simple. And when you've got a rivalry going, the kids will stay working, trying to get a little bit better and stuff. But, folks, we've got a great program today. Um, I've got it, uh, again, we're calling the program today Fathering a Champion. And a little intro I put here is just said, I just, you know, the journey to become a top tennis player is one of the hardest in sport. Directing and managing that journey is even harder for the parent slash coach of the athlete. My interview today is with father coach Kenny Lovett about the fathering of his champion, his son, Corey, who has been through just about every step of the way from when he was a little kid. Actually, he came to my camp when he was a a youngster, about 10 years old. I remember his tough little kid and and uh, you could tell he was he was going to do something special, but up in the mountains. And but we've got a I, I'm beside telling his story today. I think that uh, Kenny's going to be able to give us some great insights. And I have him on the line. I believe Kenny Lovett, are you there? I am, Coach. Hello. Great. And listen, thanks for coming on American Tennis. Um, I the intro that I gave you pretty much. You know, I we need to help parents out there. All of us as parents, we want to be coaches, really. So we see everything our kid does. We've got the eyes. We, our kids are under a microscope with us. We we look and see everything. The emotion is tremendous. We see the journey that they make. There's a lot of parents out there listening to our program today that sort of want to have a heads up on what to do, what the journey's about. What what they can avoid? How can they how can they save some money? My golly, tennis is so expensive now. Hate to tell you, Kenny, I got my son in baseball, and two weeks ago the coach <laughs> said I got to ask you for a lot of money here. I go really, yeah, for the whole season I had to write a four hundred dollar check. He's thirteen. I go what is that all? He goes what? <laughs> baseball? He got my son got close to forty baseball games for four hundred bucks. That's ten bucks a game. And as tennis people, it's really expensive. But I, I want Absolutely. today to, 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 for you to be able to tell the story uh, of you, everything you've done from the minute you saw your son, Corey, that he, he was uh, pretty dang skilled, you know, as a, as a youngster, and what you did and just the journey and, and those type of things. So first of all, I guess, Kenny, can you sort of tell me, go back to when he was when he was young and sort of sure. um, say what you did starting out and, and then how he started getting in tournaments, okay? So go ahead. Okay, thank you, Coach. Um, well, first of all, I, you know, I raised Corey by myself since he was three months old, so we were in a different situation. <clears throat> um, 
you know, I taught him his hand, you know, to develop his hand-eye coordination at a young age. Uh, you know, whether it was toss him a wiffle ball with a little baseball bat. And um, long story short, he played every he played almost every sport as a youngster. You know, uh, baseball, tennis, basketball, and I just kind of let him figure it out. Um, and then, what, you know, he was an incredible baseball player. He actually was, uh, you know, the MVP for the All- All-Stars two years in a row. We almost made it to the Little League World Series. And uh, he came off the mound when he was, I'd say, 12 years old, lost a tough All-Star game. And he said, Dad, I just want to stick with tennis. And I said, well, son, we're uh, it's just you and I, so we got to do the old-fashioned way. If you want to really be serious with it, it takes a lot of work. It's very expensive. I can't really, you know, afford it, but we'll make it work. And um, so back then, Chuck, um, it was actually real. I call it real tennis, you know. And I think Corey was playing at eight, nine years old. He went to your camp, which was very motivational for him at Brevard. I mean, he loved that. That was very inspirational for him because you had the kids on the court at, I think, 7 a.m., you know, and that was – I'd drive by, you know, on the way to work just to laugh that this is what it's all about. Uh, Anyway, he, uh, you know, he fell in love with the sport because back then kids got to play real tennis at eight, nine, ten. You know, we even had the ten Southerns, and and uh, you know, it's what I call real tennis. And then, uh, um, he just fell in love with it, and um, we just worked our butt off every day in this small little town, ten thousand people. It was just Corey and I, and we'd go play tournaments, you know, all we could. And I, you know, I got educated by friends that have been through it. And even though I'm, you know, a tennis pro, uh, I still had, I'd never had my own kid in it. And um, so he just grew to love the sport and became a little fighter. And, and uh, you know, he chose tennis on his own because back, you know, he loved it that much. So that's kind of a, my journey as far as a, from a youngster up. I mean, it was just back then we didn't have the, uh, we weren't forced into the little rackets and the, the little ball, the softballs, um, which I personally think, is, you know, had a lot of kids that I know personally yeah. almost uh, quit tennis to this day. Matt, Kenny, can I jump in there a second? Okay, you're telling a yes, familiar sir. story of maybe the greatest athlete, great one of the greatest competitors I ever coached, uh, Lawson Duncan up there in the mountains. Now, listen, Lawson Duncan – was from Coloey, North Carolina, and you, yeah, I know you know Lawson. Coloey, North Carolina, <laughs> in that Asheville area, there were a few players up there. I think the great Buster Brown was up there. Uh, he used to be a pro up there, and there were a few players, but for the most part, Lawson got good on a backboard. To this day, I still remember he played at Clemson one year, got to the finals of the NCAA and turned pro, and uh, he got up to 45 in the world or something. But the point being is that you know that every night um, I'd be up there working in my office. I'd hear plunk, 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 plunk. The guy came down after dinner every night and hit for an hour on the backboard. But um, the greatest raw talent I've ever seen and and one of the greatest human beings ever, that was a familiar well, story, a but but I, I got an antidote to put in there. But talk about that and how your son's journey is similar. Well, I'm glad you brought Lawson up, and he has tremendous 
respect for you coaches. I do too because you coach from your heart and you're a no BS guy, and that's to me what it, it takes to make a any any athlete in any sport successful. But Lawson's one of my very dear best friends. He's like my brother, and he's uh, been very high on my son. Um, he's been he's basically my family. But I'll tell you, uh, the parents I think will appreciate the story. Lawson, you know, came, you know, Asheville's a little bigger than Brevard. But uh, Lawson is uh, what I call a freak because uh, we don't have that too much in this generation anymore. It's, it's pretty scary what he did. You know, he went to Clemson and played under Coach He Loved, which is you. He chose at 10 o'clock at night to go back to his to, back to the room to go to bed with when the other guys were out and um but the best story Lawson told me was, you know, he said in, he used to go to his the club at night, wait for the club to close. He'd bring his sleeping bag, and uh, once, the, you know, the club closed, the pro or the owner, I think it was Buster, let Lawson go, uh, would go out and hit on that ball machine until 12 o'clock at night. And uh, the guy's the guy's just unbelievable. I mean, if, you know, the yeah, I think what's happening with our generation now is that you don't see many Lawson Duncans at all. I mean, it's uh, it's unbelievable what he's done and what a what a human being he is. But he, uh, but Lawson said to me a funny story was uh, when the the little I call it the baby balls came out, and like I said, that's fine for some people. It's fine, you know, for uh, you know, just to have fun with you know little kid and stuff and hit. But I'm saying, you know, when when uh, the USDA came out and basically told a bull-faced lie that, you know, the other countries were using this format, which is not a lie, Djokovic, none of these guys ever, Agassi, uh, Lawson, none of these guys ever hit those balls or used the little rackets. Um, but Lawson said, Kenny, what in the world are these little soft balls doing? I said, and he hadn't even heard of it. Uh, Lawson had never heard of the, you know, the, the miniature rackets and the balls. And like I said, it's fine for some people, but, but this guy was, you know, in his era was one of the, you know, I like to be called one of the top 40 best players in my generation. He was amazing. And uh, and he's uh, he's uh, he's in disbelief of some of the things going on in Tennessee today's coach. The, um, if I can uh, just jump in real quick here, you're hitting on so many things, but here, here which we're going to go into it, and the parents, you need to understand this, what he's talking about, this journey, that's absolutely true. Lawson was one of the most dedicated human beings I've ever seen. Uh, he was on a mission. I mean, and he stayed after and hit on the ward. What kind of kids go to the backboard after practice and hit an hour on the backboard? Then he would literally stay at the tennis center till it was locked up, closed at night. He would He would do whatever it took to get more work in. Uh, he absolutely intimidated. It's just his work ethic was something I've never seen. Um, one of the best athletes I've ever seen, but he and Jay Berger definitely, Pender Murphy, a couple I remember were best competitors, uh, gosh, Kent Kinnear. I, I had some great competitors on my teams, but Lawson, as far as work ethic, uh, just to be around him has been inspiring. So the son – Corey got to be around Lawson then a lot when he was young, correct? The story with that is this what a great, unbelievable human being Lawson is. is uh, Lawson and I would run into each other at tournaments here and there. He had another uh, little guy that he was sometimes taking to tournaments. And uh, we didn't know each other real well. I'd say hello. And 
Lawson and I played in a pro-am, a local pro-am, uh, when Corey was, I believe, 14. And and he walked up to me and said, Kenny, can I please start hitting with your son? He said he's got a he's got a ton of talent. I really feel he can be the first guy since me in Western North Carolina to make it on the tour. And I and I said, Lawson, I, I appreciate that, but I can't afford to pay you. You know, I'm a single parent. He said, no, you don't understand. I, I, I won't take your money. And he, uh, Lawson was just, you know, really got into Corey's life. My unbelievable uh, blessing of a mentor. And uh, to this day, he calls me every day. I call him and, and he cares so much about Corey. He's just, uh, he's just an incredible, he cares about everybody. He's an incredible uh, guy. But yeah, I mean, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't tell any, any, any junior in the world, this is the guy to look up to right here. Cause he's, uh, he's done it the right way. It's a pretty amazing story what he's done. And he, he just is so instrumental to so many people. We, we talk often Kenny on the program here about getting a Mr. Miyagi for your kids. Uh, my son's in baseball and we found a horse whisperer, or a baseball whisper guy. I call him Miyagi and I, he's 73 <laughs> years old. I take my, take my son, drive an hour and a half up the road to this little town, Sumter, South Carolina and this guy mm-hmm. cares about it, he pours into him stuff that is just you don't see. It's a hor- it, and so the point is, you had Lawson Duncan as a mentor. Parents out there, as you're listening to this, don't fall for the flash that charges the cash. You know, don't don't fall for the rhinestones. The diamonds are right. out there. Find wisdom for your son or your daughter. You need a horse whisper person once a week or twice, once every two weeks. My son goes once every two weeks. But you have right. that as a role model. But but if you can talk now about then you got your your youngster in, start putting him into tournaments, and he started obviously doing probably North Carolina 12s and 14s and stuff like that. Could you go to that phase there and talk about that a little bit? Yeah, and but, uh, just real quick on something you just said about, to the parents, you know, there's a lot of, uh, and I think it pushes a lot of kids away, but some of these academies that I worked at one, for instance, when Corey was very young, and it, and it was good, but, um, you know, these academies that charge these parents twenty to $40,000 a semester, you know, you don't have to go that route. I just want to say that it's, uh, that's, that's uh, not, you know, that's just a lot of money or something you can almost hire your local guy to do. So I just want to bring that out. So it's a lot of money and it's a, sometimes it, it makes kids quit tennis. Um, yeah. We brought that up anyway. last week because of the lack of personal cliches, facts, opinion, feelings, needs, five, five levels of relationships. Those academies, a lot of times will operate cliches and facts. They'll give you an opinion now, but they never go to feelings and the needs that the horse whisper, the tennis whisper type guy would go to. So no, I agree. pay attention, folks, to what he's saying, uh, what Kenny's saying here. Uh, find that Mr. Miyagi for your son or your daughter, and then let them do the, let them own it to have do the heavy lifting. So talk about Corey then, uh, uh, what she did. You had Lawson there, wanted to hit with him, and then so sort of go forward from there. From from when Lawson started hitting with him? Well, right, right. He says 12, 13, then. Go ahead. Well, he meant, you know, 
we did it the old, you know, what we had to do, which, you know, which is unfortunate. A lot of these tournaments, you, you, you know, uh, I didn't spend a, I don't even know the last time I was home when Corey was a junior for Thanksgiving because we had to go play these uh, Southern Level ones that were required uh, during Thanksgiving and, of course, the National Hard Courts during Christmas. So you know, you sacrifice a lot, and so does he. You know, and it, uh, and uh, you know, so we we did the tournament thing, um, which we had to do. And I, to be honest with you, Coach, I uh, at first I was just doing it because Corey loved it. I wouldn't think I wasn't thinking of college or pro is that way he loves it this is you know it's great sport and they started getting just really good um uh so we uh we traveled the continent i have no idea how i to this day how how i did i have many of my uh, members at lake coxway helped me down the road because it's it's amazing how unaffordable it is i mean it's just it's so expensive you know and uh but we traveled and you played all the southern tournaments. We didn't do much of the state. The state's kind of a, to be honest with you, the state tournaments are a be nice and say kind of a joke just to get you to get you in that hotel. You know, those of you that want to play uh, any kind of college, you need to fo- focus on your southern your southern tournaments. Uh, my biggest turnoff coach was, and to this day, when I, a few kids I coach. Uh, how the how these tournaments keep I mean not the tournaments how the USTA keeps these four families locked up in a hotel when it's not necessary you know you play a a match even a short game you know when it's raining you know you play you know whatever their little uh, short game sets are and then then the kid won't play again for a day or two so they can keep you in the hotels you know and it's just uh, you know it's so it's just it's very it's a it's the greatest sport in my opinion in the world it's the toughest uh, sport in the world because it's without without a doubt it's the toughest you know it's physical it's mental it's emotional you're out there by yourself and you know I was a strict coach with Corey I was I was kind of like Chuck Creasy you know that's that's what what I believe and um and I have regrets the way I, you know how strict I was at times but I feel like you know I'm real. And you and you need a coach that's real that's gonna push you in the right way. And obviously, you know, we all learn off our mistakes, you know, whether we coach or parent or whatever. But yeah, we went through the whole thing, man. We uh you know, went to Arizona for the national hard courts, I mean, uh all over, uh California for the Easter Bowl and it's a, it's just it's a very, it's very, very expensive. So, uh it's a tough, it's a great sport, but it's uh I feel it's one we can improve and make it affordable for everybody. Yep. I, I, uh, something to parents out there listening to what he's saying here, but let me tell you, always the question, oh, I don't want to push my kids. Oh, I, parents seem, feel like they overdo it, underdo it. Let me tell you, parents out there, it's the kids that mess up when they get to college a lot of times here. Uh, what I've found out is that it's a lot of times just parents that don't, Spend the time with the kids. A hundred percent of the time when you're tough on your kids, it's not like the kids ever don't love their parents for being tough on them. They love you. But the point is they're not always going to agree with you. And guess what? Sometimes they're going to act like they don't pay attention. I always tell parents and other coaches, they heard, he heard, she heard every word you said, but they're not going to act like it. But be there. Be too, be too tough rather than being too easy. I'm telling you, that's the way to go. And um, you know, because kids 
kids love their parents in spite of everything, don't they, Kenny? You know, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I agree, Coach, you know, and um, I love what you said because uh, you see so many kids that travel around without, you know, with their parents are never there, which is fine. You know, you got to let your kids go off on their own. But uh, just a real quick story to, to, with my adventure was, you know, I taught Corey from a young age. I'd say, hey, I don't care if you're playing Roger Federer, and this is when he was 13. I said, you, you go out there to win that match, and you know you can win. <clears throat> and I was just trying to instill in him confidence. And, you know, Corey went from you – know, he's a good little story because, like I said, we're in a town with 8,000 to 10,000 people with hardly no tennis. And he he was uh, – I knew if he stuck with the program, which you instilled with him, by the way, Coach, you know, when he came to Europe your uh, a camp over there in Brevard uh, when he was only 9 or 10. Um, but I told Corey, I said, you know, sometimes Corey would lose or would win a tennis match at a young age. And I'd say, all right, come on, we're going to this high school. For what, Dad? I said, well, we're going to go work on this. He said, well, I won. I said, I don't care if you won. We're not, it's about developing. And long story short, when he, you know, Corey uh, became the number one kid in the South in the, in the 16th and 18th and top 10 of the country, and my goal was, whether you win or lose, you got you've got to develop. And a lot of these coaches these days are teaching kids at ten and twelve years old that, for instance, that are real fast, you know, just to get the ball back and not developing weapons. And I, every one of those kids that were even one or two in the country and the young age groups didn't even play college tennis because they had a coach that didn't all they cared about was winning at the time instead of developing. So that's the biggest message I can give to the parents is make sure your kid is developing. It, um, there's something interesting here, though. I want to talk about this small town. Uh, one of those sleeping giants in tennis is small towns in the U.S. You know that 75, 74% of all professional athletes come from cities less than 50,000 people. Now, I believe it's a couple things. I believe that small town kids want to stand out and get out, and they have aspirations of bigger things. But another thing is that you keep fog on top of the mountain till the kids are too high up to turn back. When your parents out there, when you are trying to send your kid to these academies and things, you think association breeds assimilation all the time. Like, oh, I'll put them in that mix right. and they'll become one of these kids. Well, a lot of times the kids go, whoa, that's Mount Everest. I can't climb that. And they might be there. And the parents are saying, "Hey, I'm, we're putting thirty thousand dollars into your training here. You got to do it. You got to do it." And at the same time, the kids are going, "Whoa, this is too big of a leap." Corey often said, right. "My father was brilliant in Indiana basketball. Uh, I remember being in elementary school. He took me to like the playoffs for the ninth grade kids." So I saw the next level, and then I remember that he took me to high school levels. Now and then we got to go to Butler Field House and see a college game. But in my head, I can remember as a kid growing up saying, "Hey, you know, I can do that. Hey, I can do that." Now, right. Corey, what what was interesting? He had a great mentor. Here, here are the here's the recipe, uh, folks. He had the Mr. Miyagi, he had the tennis whisper guy, Lawson Duncan. Uh, somebody doesn't have to be a pro player. Somebody pouring into him. He had the support and the driving force of a father that loved his son enough to discipline the son or make him do the right things. 
He gave him exposure now and then, but he never, he always kept fog on top of the mountain. He didn't show him too much too soon. In other words, you want your kid to be a surfer, don't take him to Hawaii to show him the 90-foot waves. Take him to Folly Beach, South Carolina, where they see the four-foot waves. You know, in other words, show them the next step. My son wants to play baseball, Corey. He's been, we went to a couple Braves game in the last couple years. But now and then it's okay. But for the most part, I take him to high school games the next step. So being from the small town is not all bad. If you're from a big city, the, it's a different story in, in a way. You get all this exposure, but at the same time, you've got to do little things to keep that dream in front of them. Would you say that's pretty yes. pretty close there, Kenny? Yes, Coach, that's a great analogy. Uh, I just think, uh, you know, the honest truth is, you know, now I'm, you know, Corey's on the tour, and he was a four-time All-American in college, and I still felt in, in college, to be honest with you, and I'm guilty of this, I – because I coached him his whole life, I I was still coaching him myself in college because, you know, I just I felt I had to just because of, you know the lack of co- you know some of the coaches, but um, but I feel like you have to you know take baby steps, and I I just feel like you can't pamper, you can't pamper that you know your kids. You know if they want it, they want it. You don't force them to play. I don't care if it's baseball, basketball, tennis. You know I know a lot of kids I teach these days. You know that I can tell the parents are forcing it. And uh, I think once they love it, you know, you, you, you've got to make a statement. You know, if you want to do whatever you want to do, you've got to work hard at it. I just think it's going to help them in life. So I agree with everything you said. Yeah, I feel like you have to take an 11-year-old to the U.S. Open, you know, or to, to the Absolutely. To watch the Kenny, we're going to take a short break. If you please hang on, I appreciate so sure, much man. being on this hour today. and. And folks, the best is yet to come. Uh, Kenny, if you getting ready, getting ready to go to college now, as he became one of the better players, we want to give parents and up uh, some insight about what was going on there. We'll be right back sure. uh, with All Kenny right. Lovett and more. This is Coach Chuck Creasy and American Tennis. Coach Chuck Creasy and folks, Coaching Tennis is the book that I wrote in 1998. It was a follow-up from Total Tennis Training. I really believe in this book, and there's 40,000 copies out there that have already been sold. It is around the world as one of the top-selling books of all time. But regardless of how many it's sold, it is a good source of information for you with your youngster you with your players or if you are a tennis player to give you some insights go to amazon and order coaching tennis and listen to our program every week on yellow ball network and also please go to www.chuckcreasy.net to get my readings and to keep up with everything we're doing stay in the sport of tennis and help that child right in front of you
It breaks his heart seeing foreign cars filled with fuel it isn't ours and wearing cotton we didn't grow. He's got the red, white, blue, flying high on a farm. Stepper fire tattooed on his left arm. Spent a little more in the store for a tag in the back and says you And folks, we're making them in America, and we're trying to give you some insights and heads up on how to do this. And we have a father coach on the line, Kenny Lovett, who has done one of the best jobs out there as far as bringing his uh, son from from A to Z. And and Kenny, uh, the junior part of it, we've been through. I'd like for you to say now, as he got to be about 16 or 17 years old, as Corey got to be 16 or 17 years old, Obviously, you knew he was going to be able to play college tennis somewhere, correct? Yes, sir. And um, t- talk about the process then. I mean, I know you get excited. Boy, if somebody paid attention to my son now, is, I've recruited 41 years now, but if if somebody pays attention to my son and wants to recruit him, if he makes the high school team, baseball team, I'm going to be so excited but if he gets a chance to play college ball, my holy guacamole, am I going to be excited. <laughs> so talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, uh, like I said, and I think it's good for all parents to hear, you know, my son hit his stride at at 15, and that was the developmental stage, I thought, where he just kind of came, everything came together. And, uh, and then, you know, you uh, – I think it's a privilege for any kid, to be honest with you, and I think it's great for them, coach, to play Division One, Two, or Three. I just think it's great for kids. You know, I think they can play whatever their level is. I just think it's great for, you know, that structure in college. It keeps them out of trouble. gives them a little chance to to be motivated. I don't. I think every division's awesome. Division One's obviously almost pro. It's it's a, it's a, as you know, being a coach. Level unbelievable a, in it. Yeah. It's just, I mean, people, even Lawson doesn't even know anymore. You know, Lawson went with me one day to watch Corey play at South Carolina. I said, wow. And, uh, but, you know, you, you know, you would get, went through the process. I think it's, uh, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong because it's been, uh, five years or four years now. Uh, you know, I believe it's his junior year. Coaches can contact him. And then he had, uh, everyone almost in the country contacting him. And, uh, he made his choice. And um, he went to Alabama, um, which I, I was unbelievable university and uh, great times there. I loved it, um, and that was his choice. And um, you know, the only the only uh, thing I'll say about college ten, college uh, Division One is incredible. The the levels just I wish people I, I wish the I uh, wish uh, can I whoever, jump into athletic I, I, level ball striking. And the potential is unbelievable. These guys are very, very close to the pros. But I wanted to say oh, that before we even, go. I think they're even – Lawson even said they're, uh, you know, this is pro except, you know, maybe between the ears and physically. And uh, the the sad thing is, Coach, is when Corey signed, and I told his coach this after I found out after he had signed, I said, hey, if you would have told, because he he broke it to me at Kalamazoo that the year my son signed, 
was the year college tennis went to no ad scoring. And I point blank said to his coach, I said, if you would have told me this before he signed, he would have turned pro. You know, and I say that because it's taken so much uh, out of the game. The physical, the, you know, the, the, the fitness and the, so, uh, you know, that was, that was, you know, very disappointing to me for college, but college is wonderful. They get a degree and, uh, but it's a lot of work, you know, it's a lot of work and, uh, but there's three divisions you can play. So I think, you know, all kids have a chance. The, the, what you said though, um, the ball striking, if any of you listening to the program will go out to your local college and watch, you go, Whoa, wait a minute. This looks as good as those pros we saw in Cincinnati or, you know, in Palm Springs or wait a minute. These, these girls are as good as the girls I saw play at uh, Charleston at the family show. Oh my golly. But the ball striking is there. They're professional level. Their bodies are reaching their peaks for young ladies. They mature probably 16 to 21 are their top five years. Boys though, 18 to 25, 26 is when they really hit their peak, but their bodies have hit their peak, their ball striking, all of the things you work with, with the ball striking. But what you said, it's between the ears. Well, that is what we have delayed and we've really retarded the growth of our players between the ears because of format and us getting a little too cute. Our administrators trying to get a little bit too cute with how they approach the sport of tennis more. We have marketeers in there instead of educators trying to make pro players. So I agree. here I'm opening the door for you. Your son's going to college and just, you know, and then just talk about that, about your disappointment a little bit with college tennis, not any particular college. Your son is in a power five conference. He's going to see the best people, the best players, but, Go ahead and uh, and talk about that. Okay, I will, Coach. And I want to bring up one thing that you just said. Uh, a little girl I coach, uh, she's uh, 11, very good player. Her mom and dad were so absolutely in shock and disappointed. Uh, they drove their little girl to New Orleans, and she's a very good player. And she's been penalized by the system because she's had to play up in the 12s since she was eight, which is a big disadvantage when, you know, you've got a little girl that weighs about 50 pounds. Because, because of the, the, you know, because the, the green dot the ball, the green dot balls, the green dot and all the little balls, you know, she had to play real tennis. She had to move up to the 12th. Well, she went to New Orleans to find out that I had a big, a very big tournament. They got to play a whole set of doubles, one set. I mean, one set, not a pro Laughable. set. Laughable. So, uh, you know, so it's like, uh, that's my, uh, you know, what are we doing with our game? You know, is it, is it that important that, um, you know, the, we can't run a tournament and play real tennis anymore. It's like Lawson, uh, you know, I'm kind of cutting out of your subject, coach, but I, I need to bring this up with, yeah. you know, Lawson and I were talking about it last week. Like used to be, you played, you played two out of three full sets of tennis of real tennis with regular scoring in college. And then when you're done, you go play the three doubles matches, two out of three full sets, which, which, which uh, in my opinion, when I played, it made it so much fun. You know, you could still, you could be down and come win every one of those doubles matches. And, uh, you know, and it, it focused on fitness and it's just, 
so I'm I'm going from this problem in the juniors to college when you know when I go watch college tennis division one the best the best guys in the world playing starting the match off with one set not a pro set six game set no ad scoring you know it's just it's it's mind-boggling and to see some of the kids on my son on Corey's team that were awesome kids that were from another country come up to me and say what in the world is this you know these are from you know Europe you know what is this no ad scoring what and we wonder why we wonder why every country except ours is better than tennis it's embarrassing you know they don't play this stuff uh, in other countries and uh so that yeah. was the, the most the most, you know, the greatest thing, Coach, for, you know, for Corey playing college tennis was, you know, he met, he got to grow on his own, he got to learn how to do so many things on his own, and uh, coming from a single parent, you know, it was pretty cool to see. You know, he's got now he's got to grow, and obviously it wasn't easy on me because I missed him so much, but uh, but just the fact that I saw, to be honest with you, he at one point in his college career, which is a very good one. He said to me after school, after he graduated, Dad, I was not having fun anymore because of the new rules and this and that. And it just, it ta- what it, it's like Lawson, who was, who was one of the greatest players in his generation that you coached. Lawson said it best. It is an absolutely equalizer, the no-ad scoring. It's an equalizer. It takes away from the fitness. It takes the better player, you know, if I'm playing John Isner right now and I don't play much anymore, no ad he's serving to me, maybe he'll double fault. Maybe I slap a winner. You know, it just takes away so much from the game. So the positives in college are you're getting that degree, you're getting great, you know, meeting a lot of good friends and playing with a lot of great players. And uh, the negatives is, you know, it's uh, we're the only sport in the world that changes our format. You know, I like to see bait. It'd be, to me, I compare this and I say it all the time. It would be like baseball going to, all right, let's, guys, we're going to start at a two-and-two count. Let's speed the game up. Basketball, let's play uh, seven-minute quarters. Football, let's start at the 40-yard line. We're the only sport in the world that our country has changed the rules, and it blo- and I wish so bad people would just, you know, get on, get on the email alert and start voicing their opinion because they're running a great sport. You know, I, I – uh, when I'd go watch Corey at Alabama, you know, it would be a packed house, and I'd have people sitting next to me going, what, why, wait, that wasn't game. That was deuce. I go, no, that's the new format. If people come to tennis, coach, they want to watch tennis. They they don't care. You know, if they need to go to dinner, they can leave in the match, but they're they're not there to see this sport get shortened up. You know, it's not, it's not that, that's not their purpose. They love the game. They want to see it. They, they enjoy it. They were, I saw so many fans disappointed by the scoring format, and it's uh, it's disappointing to me as a coach, as a parent, and it's disappointing to fans. And I and the biggest thing I want to say is, their whole excuse was let so we can show it on TV. Well, you go show me how many times on college tennis is on TV. Well, that's I'll a give you I'll give hearing. you a handful, maybe. We we've so, covered it on this program a lot. That's a red herring. They use that, and that's what infuriates me more than anything. It's an outright lie. It's a lie. It is. Absolutely. And even if you're marketing, when, even if you're marketing, smart marketing people know that you never should lose your base of loyal people. 
In other words, tennis keeps disintegrating. Somebody told me the other day, why are you keep battling? I'm going down to the South Carolina Tennis Association thing this weekend with my assistant. I'm going to spend three days away from my family to basically talk to people and to battle to preserve traditional tennis. And my, my friend said, what are you doing, man? You need to just give this. I said, no. I said, it means too much to me. It's, it's like my child. It would be if, like if my child grew up to be a drug addict or a drug dealer you know, or something. I, I would be appalled. This, this is the game that I love. And uh, uh, Kenny, what, what, let me give you st- statistics. I don't know if you know this. But first of all, I'll tell you about this. You know, in 1986, we had 41 uh, male and female players that were American-born. They went to college, and they made, they were in top 100 in the world. This is right in the Lawson-Duncan era, 41. Uh, do, you know, do you know I how many? Okay. Do you know now how many we have in the top 100? We're talking like a John Isner who went to college and – you know how many we have, male and females, to combine? Three. Uh, what, John Isner, yeah, Stevie Johnson, scary. Nicole Gibbs. Three. 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 Pretty, it's been 2003 scary, since we've it, – it's terrifying. Three and, – and what they're thinking is the marketing people are just – they're not educators or marketeers. Now, I wanted to just throw this in to everybody, is that you said a couple things very profound – Number one, why are people not outraged? Why are people not doing anything? Now, we have over-regulated. I'm not saying we have bad people that run these organizations of the USTA and the ITA, but they're the wrong people because they don't have an understanding of the history of the game, nor have they been through the journey just like I can't go be an Olympic coach maybe because I never played professional tennis. I have to be a college coach. Well, they, some of these people have never played tennis. Some of them have just been on boards. Some of them have just been tennis enthusiasts or, you know, nice people, but they're the wrong people. So what they've done is they've overregulated and understimulated our game. And therefore, they are basically wrecking it by making it a participation. They're going for participation instead of excellence. Participation never breeds excellence. Excellence uh, breeds absolutely. participation. But my question, let's talk about this a second. Here's my question. Why does no one out there, I know you give a crud. I know that if you listen into this program, you love tennis and you give a crud. You know that I'm going to say what the truth is out there. I don't have any motive not to tell you the truth. I have no, I, I look, it, it's ridiculous that I'm spending this time of my life in, in doing this. I'm going to die with my boots on or my tennis shoes on, you know, one day. But the point is, Kenny, why doesn't anyone care enough? It's, it's so hard to organize. I've tried to start the American tennis Patriots. I've got about 40 names and I started a Facebook but people are so wishy-washy. Old people say, ah, oh, bag it, you know, go play golf, let's hang out. Young people just want to fit in. You know, I, I've uh, – and then, Kenny, I don't want to use your time, but I uh, no, sent a letter. I'm, I'm getting next, – next 
this season I play a lot of double headers and I play everybody. But I sent a letter out the other day by email to all everybody I'm playing, asking them to play traditional tennis. Most all the old people are saying, "Let's go for it. Let's play it." Some the young coaches are scared willy nillies. They're like, "Oh no, no I, I better not the ITA uh, uh, or the oh we better do what everybody else is doing." Since when in our country have we ha- ever had such willy nillies like this? And then well, middle middle aged people they got the golden handcuffs on. I think. What are your thoughts? Why don't why why, why can't we get anything going? I, you know, I, I uh, you know, it, it, it is mind-boggling. It really is because I talk to parents that are absolutely infuriated uh, with the system. The little girl I'm talking about, I love dearly. Uh, I coach her. She's in a, you know, she actually has a big level ahead of her. But her dad says, Kenny, I feel like the USTA took four years, five years from my daughter's tennis. You know, and I said, No, they absolutely did. And I said the same thing. You need to you need to step on it. You know, write a letter. It's uh, I don't know why people are scared. It blows my mind because I'm infuriated. You know, I don't want to. You know, I I don't I wouldn't I don't have a you know a lot of money, coach. I I didn't I didn't have uh you know people ask me to the day how did you do it? And I really to be honest with you I don't even know. You know I just did it, and I uh and I you know just worked my butt off to to make ends meet. But you know they I don't want to go. Thank God to be honest with you. You know, at least I got to watch my son and the juniors play regular scoring. And even back then, I disagreed with the eight-game pro set. You know, I would have liked to see the kids yeah. play two out of three. But at least these parents these days, are you, you're going to travel. You're going to travel a thousand miles to watch your child play a six-game set of doubles. To you know, and coach, I go minutes, back even four. Fifteen, hey, fifteen yeah. minutes. Some of them. Like. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, I go back before. I, I, and this has been going on. You know, it's been pathetic to make the, the more I think about it. I remember Corey. Uh, we went to South Carolina for a tournament, and this is back when scoring was different. You know, you had to play it. But it, I mean, as far as the you know the the ranking system, it's been so long. I don't even keep. I mean, they change it so much. I can't keep up with it anymore. But it's, uh, it's apparently even got worse. But uh, you know, we went to South uh, Greenville, South Carolina. I won't name the club to be nice, but it rained. It rained on a Friday, but it cleared up Friday afternoon. And Saturday, Sunday, Monday, which the tournament schedule was beautiful. And what did the guy do? He goes to a four-game no-act pro set with a tiebreaker third. The kid Corey played first round drove five hours. Corey won. I'll never forget it. That match was 20 minutes, and these poor parents are stay, you know, paying money for a hotel for consolation, and it's just, it's disgusting. It's, uh, that's, I can say one word for the USDA. It's, it's disgusting what they're doing to our game. You know, I don't, I don't think there's one parent out there that plans their weekend with their child to go say, all right, let's let's get this over with. Let's get this over with as quick as – let's go watch my son or daughter play 15 to 20 minutes. You know, they're not – you know, Coach, I respect you so much because you've always coached – you know, Lawson told me this, you know, the fitness was so important for you. But it doesn't matter anymore. You don't have to be that fit to play the game they're playing in college now. And even – you don't have to be, you know. You know, you've got to be lucky at the no-wide point. So it's uh, it's taken away so much for our game. And in my opinion, that is 
why so many kids in college now in Division One tennis go out during the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten schedule. Yeah, we got to play two out of three, no outscoring tomorrow. Big deal. We're going to be out there an hour and a half. You know, it takes away from let's go to bed at 10 o'clock like Lawson Duncan did and bust our butt because I've got a long match tomorrow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay out there five hours I have to. You can't do that anymore the way they change the rules. They took away so, the TKOs, Kenny. They took away the TKOs. And it would be like boxing only being five five rounds or four rounds. Could I, yeah, I would yeah. like football, to make – Start in overtime in football. You know how they start in college football? Start on the 25-yard line. You know, a good friend of mine, uh, Coach, I don't know if you remember, Adam Keywork was a great player from Florida. He he got me into tennis. Well, Adam Adam would win a big match, and I'll never forget, he'd come home, and we lived together, you know, uh, right after high school. And he, he'd take – I said, where are you going? I'm going to run. Uh, this guy would go, you know, well, man, this guy's an animal. You know, he'd beat big dude that plays from, you know, a big university, getting ready to go to college, and he's off. I'm going to run, Kenny. I'm going to run about six miles. And that, that in my my point of that is that back then that's the Lawson Duncan error where where you know they, what they're doing with no ad scoring is like shit. I don't you know excuse my language. I don't have to. No, it's okay. <laughs> I don't have. I don't have to go train tomorrow, coach. You know I'm I'm you know I, if I serve well, I'm going to win this match. If I get lucky on this guy, I mean there's no incentive to be so fit anymore with the no ad system. Oh, there's so many things. Kenny, let me make this point. Um, Robbie Ginepri, who, of course, got semifinal, top ten semifinals, U.S. Open. I read right after he turned pro, he turned pro after he was 18. He had a chance to go to Georgia, or he had a chance to turn pro. We thought he was going to go to Georgia. He turned pro. Well, about two years into it, I remember reading this article about him, and he said, you know, I realized – when I turned pro the very first day, I had to do things a little different. I had to be a pro in the way I thought, the way I ate, the way I slept. Everything I did, I had to be a pro. I said, I realized at the, you know, if I'd gone to college, I could have probably hung out, partied some on a Friday if I had a Saturday afternoon Absolutely. match. By the way, if I lost Saturday afternoon, I could still get to play on Sunday because it was a dual match format. I still got to play. Absolutely, and he didn't. He said I wouldn't have had to do that. I remember Tim Wilkinson when he first went Doctor Dirt. When Tim first went out oh, yeah. and played, I remember him saying, after his first year on the tour, he said, he said I give. He the guy used to go out. He, he married a Clemson girl, and he used to come down and train with our team some back in those days. And he would get up in the morning and go out and run five miles before breakfast. And he said, look. A good week is to win one match for me right now. But he said, I know right. that I'm investing for the future. The work I – he used to say, the work I do now pays off two years from now. Now, none of the kids are doing that. So, consequently, we have three players total in the top 100 in the world, which is disgraceful. Which, it is. Look, I, I, it's mind-boggling to you. It is to Lawson Duncan. It's to me, to anybody that understands tennis and the mission – and how hard the sport is, it's laughable that they've done this. But I blame the ITA. The ITA has not been a leadership. They, they try to be a leadership organization, but they are a support group. You have to pay dues. 
and it had been very, very poorly managed for the 15 to 20 years, very, very poorly. We've had over 400 college teams lost because it's been decimated. ITA really have not done their job. Our college coaches, tennis has been easy to drop because the influx of international players first, not, not against international players, but an athletic director that looks at the program say, well, I've got these eight international players. Their parents aren't going to call me and complain. It's easy to drop tennis. Tennis should never be Absolutely. dropped on a college campus. It's the cheapest sport. You get the maximum amount of return and publicity. And the people that play tennis are going to be great alumni contributors in the future. But it is because of mismanagement. The USTA is completely going in the wrong direction with this abbreviated no-ad scoring, and um, no one is inspired to do it. So here's what I would like to ask you. Uh, By lowering the bar, they've eliminated the Lawson-Duncan work ethic. When you lower the bar, you champion the weak. When you champion the weak, you weaken our real champions. So therefore, our real, real champions are not going to be in an arena where they cannot get ahead by pushing themselves. So, Kenny, as we've got, I'm going to keep you on here. I'm going to go over a little bit today, but I'd like to ask you two questions. Number one, what would you do if you were in charge? You are the guru. You are the commissioner of tennis in the United States of America. What would you do? And then tell me what you're going to do with your plans for your son at this time. Go ahead. What would I do with, uh, you mean tennis if you and were in like charge. juniors and everything? Yeah, if you're okay, in charge, uh, you are the commissioner of tennis. Uh, that's easy. Solve it. Uh, I'm going to play it. I'm going to play in junior tennis two out of three full sets, rain or shine. If it, if it, uh, you know, if we get rained out, we get rained out, and we'll do a makeup date. Okay, so two out of three full sets in juniors, in college, in sing- singles. Okay. No, no tiebreakers for the third. Not even in consolation, because I'm gonna. I want directors to say, "All right, I'm here to run this tournament. I'm here for the kids." So that's two. It could, because if you notice some of the junior terms, you go two out of three. You you go to the main draw. Let 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 let's play a whole pro set. Um, doubles, same thing. Just like when I played college, two out of three full sets. The only thing I could change, Coach, is uh, in juniors is, is important, which I think it very much should be for college, as you know how important it is, is do a tournament where we do singles, the same tournament, two out of three full sets, and we come back, you know, another day and do the same tournament in doubles, two out of three full sets, back draw and main draw. College tennis, no doubt, just like when I played and Lawson played, two out of three full sets and singles first. Not 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 like that. I don't know if the parents realize now. There's no warm up. You warm up with your team. You go out. You play one set of no eye doubles. You go meet with your coach for five or ten minutes, and you can. It, it's a joke. I mean, I, I went through it for four years, and all I could think about is why didn't I let him turn pro? Why you know why didn't you? But uh, in college tennis, same thing. Play real. You know, the easiest thing to say to that is play real tennis. You know. You know, let's play real tennis and let the parents, you know. I know when I took Corey to junior tournaments, I was – we learned more, like I said, off, off his losses. We got to go work on his game. But I, I did – thank God I'm not in – it's gotten even worse. Like I said, I can't even imagine entering him in doubles and he's playing what he did in college, which is so embarrassing. 
a set of tennis with no outscoring. One set. You know, it's uh, – I mean, you and I might be better than Isner well, and no outscoring if they double faulted enough. I mean, it's just not real tennis anymore. It's uh, So I would just say let's get back to, you know, the fitness uh, part of it and letting kids work. You, I mean, Coach, you know in college these kids aren't going to be going. And they do. I'm not going to lie to you. I've talked to many. I coach even a couple girls. The parents call me, God, Kenny, you know, they're going out. I said, well, you know, they can they can get away with it now. They're not going to be as they good go as they party. could be. I go, going go out, out and partying. They party. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sad. Like, And there's a girl I coach that I love with all my heart. She's playing in the SEC, and her mother was in shock when she went off to school just about what this little girl saw. And I think a big call, you know, a, a big cause of it is is they don't – they're on the – I don't think I saw one no-add match ever go over two hours in singles. I mean, it's a, it's embarrassing. So I would say let's go back to regular tennis, guys. Let's care about our future. You know, let's develop uh, – let's develop the kids, not, you know, not – Try to steal your money in academies and and all the uh, and all the uh, you know the like I said that you know if you and I are running a tournament we want to be greedy like, hey hey coach we made a we made ten grand heck well they only got to play a set no ad and a, two out of three and no ad I mean I you know who who starts a tournament for instance at at two all two let's start at two all guys play the six no ad and a tiebreak third that match is going to last what fifteen twenty minutes. And we're the only sport wow. that does that. My son, my son was like yours, Coach. He played baseball. I don't ever remember one baseball game when we traveled where, where it rained. I never remember them saying, guys, we're going to start off uh, at the set, uh, fifth inning and play to the seventh inning, and it's two and two count. It's the same thing. Like, why, why is this sport the only sport that is penalized, that changes? It's so disappointing. Your kid gets to go to college, and let me tell you, when they go to college – those four years go so fast. I, like, look so forward to I think I went and watched Corey play 85% of his matches, no matter where they were. But it was so disappointing knowing, you know, he's got a huge game. All right, Deuce, you know, next point wins. That does not that does not uh, benefit the fitter, the better forward. player. You know, it's just, it's just gotten uh, – it's gotten so sad, and I just want to say to you, I appreciate all you do to fight for it because there's not many uh, that I know that are doing that for us. Well, we need you all out there to fight for it, and Kenny, I'll be talking to you a whole bunch about helping me get more traction with our American tennis patriots. And listen, 147 years our sport now has played a certain way, and now all of a sudden, hey, we just got smart. no. Look, we did this better back in the days of Lawson Duncan and back in the days of, you know, when we played full matches and what, we, we just now got smart? No, no. We have the wrong people bastardizing something. They should be protecting it. We had, Look, we have tournaments. We have matches. We have sets. We have games. We have points. Those are five breakdowns. They went to breaking down the game. They should have gone to, okay, tournaments. All right, let's have a – the format of a tournament is different than the scoring. The format of a college tennis match. I don't care. I told a parent and somebody yesterday, I don't care what the format is. Just don't screw with the scoring. The scoring is the determining right. factor. But here is a big point nobody understands. Folks, the rite of passage that every kid goes through is done through definite wall 
they have to climb over a door they must go through, and usually, almost always, it is that match that they win 7-5 in the third finally over this player that they've never been able to beat. It's a long, tough match, and then they go forward. They do not go forward when it's a no-ad scoring set. They do not go forward no. with abbreviated sets. They do not go forward with a six-game set in doubles. It's laughable. So your kids take hit, hit after hit after hit, and lose, have to lose when they shouldn't have to lose, regardless of how much they work, and they don't have a right of passage. To be fair to the tournament directors, I talked to a guy yesterday. He said, we can't get enough tournament directors. We can't run enough tournaments. Corey, the re- or excuse me, Kenny, the reason why is because the USTA, you guys, if you're listening, daggone, you guys have over-regulated, under-stimulated tennis. You make it too hard. You hire too many referees. You hire too many daggone bean counters that ha- get paid. And you guys just, why why don't you put the tournament out there and use the code again and forget about all these referees and daggone it, make it simple, and maybe we'd have more tournament directors. So last thoughts, Kenny, then we got to go. Last thoughts real quick. Uh- Coach, I just want to thank you for uh, inviting me, and uh, I just encourage the parents to do all you can to email your frustrations to the USTA, to Coach, and uh, and let's get this game back to being, being what it used to be. I mean, even, uh, you know, the USTA, the adult leagues aren't comparable with the juniors, but, you know, I know a lot of guys that I, that I play with and ladies, and they're like, Kenny, why don't we have to play a tiebreaker for the third? We signed up to play tennis. And I think I think all this is shot off to the adult leagues. And, I mean, if you love tennis, you play tennis. And I just encourage all of you to to do your best to, to support Coach with with all he's doing because I, I sure respect you, Coach, and I appreciate all you do. And uh, I, I would love to see it get back to where it used to be. Kenny, I, I can't thank you enough. ChuckCreasy.net is my website, ChuckCreasy.net. And then you could go uh, chuckcreasy at gmail.com if you want to email me. Kenny, I am so thankful for your insights and your wisdom and what you have shared today with us. I want to remind everybody you're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life. It has very little to do with a win or a loss. We'll see you next time. And thanks. Thank you, America. Thank you, Never fight that tune.